12, and we're going to start uh, there. Got one person excited. Anybody else want to be excited about that? So uh, we're going to continue our series on weights. We started last week. We're going to continue that today. So this will kind of be part two of this series. And uh, we're going to kind of build on what we talked about last week about weights. So we're going to start in Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Uh, reading from the New Living Translation this is kind of the, uh, the key a couple verses for this series. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the cross, or because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, now is seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. Can I get amen this morning? So uh, this is going to be part two of this series, and if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Train to Win. Train to Win. Everybody say train to win. Train to win. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, Train to Win, and uh, we're going to kind of recap what we talked about a little bit last week and then go forward, if that's okay. Uh, so we talked about last week starting a, uh, this series about that God says that our life, everyone in here is like a journey. It's like a race. Uh, we're on this race. We're on this journey from start to finish. And um, we start when we're born here. And then when we uh, go home to be with the Lord, that's the end of our race. And we can determine how well we run the race. And there's uh, some training. There's some effort that takes place in running the race that we have for God to accomplish all that he has called us to be and called us to do. And so the race that God has for us, there's a, there's a race that's set before us, and it's an endurance race. Uh, we mentioned this last week. It's not just a sprint. It's a uh, marathon. It's not just a, you can just start and then you quick, quickly stop. No, it's a marathon. This is a race that takes endurance. That's why most people in the Christian life don't uh, last the long haul because they don't have any endurance about their race with God. It says with faith and patience or faith and endurance, we inherit the promises of God. It's easy to start. Can I get amen? It's easy to start a new job. Can I get amen? It's easy to start a diet. It's easy to start working out. It's easy to start these things, but it's different to finish, isn't it? Could it take some endurance, some patience? You got to stay with it. So um, God says this race uh, of our life is an endurance race. It takes some effort. It takes some endurance. And the race that God has for us is a good race. It's the plan of God for our life. But it says to really run this race, we have to lay aside every weight and every sin that tries to entangle us, tries to hold us back, tries to, it says, weight slow us down. So not that we won't finish the race, but we won't finish everything we should have finished in the race. Or maybe we don't finish the race in the time we should have finished the race because these weights and things hold us back. And we talked about that last week. And uh, we're going to use this, and, and Paul uses this. A lot of the New Testament writers use this. But they use the example or the word picture of a race uh, because the Olympics were around it, during the time of Jesus, during the, the time of the New Testament. Uh, of course, they were at their beginning stages. They weren't all the games that we have now. Uh, there wasn't ice hockey back then. Uh, there wasn't water polo back then. 
But they did have things like boxing, like racing, uh, like track and field. They had things like that. And so Paul and all the early New Testament people, uh, they would go to these events because there wasn't much to do back then. They, they would go to these Olympic games and watch these athletes perform and train, whether that was racing or boxing or track and field. They would go to uh, Greece. They'd go to Rome. They would see these things. So that's why he's talking about this because it was very common to uh, know about these games that people were involved in. And how many know this? We're a sports nation. We're sports people, uh, especially the United States of America. We, we have uh, about 50 different versions of ESPN. Uh, just in case you didn't get it all in, in one station, we have 50 different things covering all sorts of sports, sports that you didn't even know existed, sports you don't want to know exist, and you're like, that's not a sport. Why do we even, why do we even have that? That doesn't make any sense. I could do that from my couch. That's, that's pointless. And so we, we're sports people, so we, we can relate to what Paul's saying here. Even if you're, you don't play sports or you're not an athlete, you understand uh, sports are all around us, and sports makes billions and billions and billions of dollars, especially in this country uh, with all the uh, different leagues and professional sports we have. So we're going to uh, look over at 1 Corinthians today, and that's kind of where we're going to hang out, 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians is written by Paul to uh, the church at Corinth, and he's using the example of these games or these races against of an athlete. So 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, we're going to read in the New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, it says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. We're talking about train to win today. Verse 25, it says, All athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26, so he says, So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after I preach, to others, I myself might be disqualified. So we see this example of Paul giving. He says that this life is like a race, and you need to run to win. And he also goes on and says, and these athletes that win are very disciplined. They have some training behind them to be able to win. And it says, and they do it for a prize that will fade away. You realize every Super Bowl ring is going to rust? Every Super Bowl ring will rust and will go back into the dirt one day. Every trophy, every banner in any stadium or arena will eventually go back to the dirt where it came from. And it won't matter. Especially uh, in the time that Paul was writing this, we know that the crowns and the things that they had weren't made out of metal. They were actually made out of flowers or vines. And that's the kind of crown that they had. So it faded real quick. And it says that, they put all this effort in training and discipline into something that will fade away, into something that will not matter in eternity. And they give their lives, they give their sweat, their blood, their tears for all this for a crown or a prize or a ring or a trophy that will eventually fade away and go back into the dirt where it came from. But he says this race that we're on with God is for a prize and a crown that will never fade away. 
that will matter in eternity, that will matter 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, thousands of years from now, it will matter the race that we ran for God, and that's the only thing that will matter. Any crown that we get on earth, any MVP we get on earth, any award, any trophy will fade away in eternity and not matter. Isn't that the truth this morning? And he says, you put all this effort into training for these crowns to fade away. How much more training for what God has called us to do? And it will never fade away. It will always matter, especially in eternity. And so he says, I run with purpose with every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, I'm going to need you to step up your response level about tenfold. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we're going to talk about the word discipline today. So, the word discipline gets a bad rap. Yes, I see somebody being patted over there named Brother Sean. But, now listen to me. Now, there's, there's a lot of you in here who are type A disciplined people. And you have been waiting for a message like this. You're like, come on, when is pastor? Because I'm completely the opposite of that. So when is pastor going to preach a message about discipline and hard work and stress and being grumpy all the time? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. See, I'm not a type A disciplined person. I have to train myself to be that way. Um, but the word discipline gets a bad rap. Can we all agree with that? The word discipline gets a bad rap. But we're going to talk about it in a new way, in a new perspective today. You ready for it? You ready to hear it with some new ears today and a new lens to look at it? Uh, we're going to talk about this word discipline because it's a Bible word. It's a Bible word. It's in the Bible. And notice uh, in Hebrews 12 and 1 Corinthians 9, this word discipline keeps coming up. It says that all athletes are disciplined in their training. And then he goes on in verse 27, So I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should do. So discipline discipline. You're going to see it with a new perspective today. Now realize I'm on your side here because this is not a word that I enjoy. But the truth is this, discipline is important. Or we could use the word today, training. Training, that's a better word to use because usually discipline, you're just thinking about correction when people say the word discipline. But Really, the bigger definition of this, when he's talking about disciplining your body or athletes being disciplined, he's talking about training. Now, we all understand that. In 2017, we understand what training is, training for something, discipline for something. But the word disciple comes from discipline. God has called all of us as believers in Jesus to be disciples of his, which implies discipline. And so if we're really going to be a true follower of Jesus, we have to talk about it sometime. We can't just avoid it the rest of our lives because this word dis- disciple comes from the word discipline. And we're going to talk about training and how we train because we know that every great athlete knows how to train. You see those Olympic athletes, some of you who enjoy and, and love the Olympics, they spend years and years and years training and disciplining their body for five minutes in a competition. 
that they won't get another chance to do that for uh, several more years. And they do that to win a gold medal that will fade away very quickly. It's amazing you'll see about athletes later that don't know how to handle their money. And years down the road, these gold, silver, and, and bronze medals end up on eBay because they don't have any money. So really the medal wasn't that important to them in the first place because they're selling it just to make some money in their life. How quickly that thing that they worked their whole life for is not a big deal anymore. It's not important anymore. So we're going to talk about discipline today. Yay. We're excited. We're excited. Talk about training. So every great athlete and every great uh, Olympian knows how to train. Really, in the training is where they become winners. In their training, they become winners. If they don't train well, they will not win when it comes game time. Now, we all look at athletes like that and we say, well, they're just gifted. Well, yes, they are, but you don't see the training that goes in behind the scenes. And when they catch a pass with one hand falling into the end zone, guess what? They caught that pass thousands and thousands and thousands of times when nobody was watching because they were training to win. When you see Michael Jordan hit a game-winning shot, he shot that shot thousands and thousands and thousands of times by himself in a gym with nobody cheering him on at six o'clock in the morning when he didn't want to be there, when he didn't feel like it. Why? Because he disciplined himself because he wanted to win. He trained himself because he wanted to win because he knew when it comes game time, I better be ready for this because I want to win. It's the same thing with our spiritual walk. Every day is not the game-winning shot, but there is days and there is times and seasons in our lives that if we hadn't been training all along, we're not going to be ready when the time comes. We're not going to be prepared for the big issue that's in our life. We're not going to be able to win and get over some things in our life if we're not training when nobody's watching. Are you here this morning? Are you picking up what I'm laying down today? And so we need to train and discipline ourselves when nobody's watching so that we can run this race. Now, think with me today, because I'm not just talking about physically, because you guys are getting discouraged if you're just thinking about the physical aspect of discipline and training. Now, that is a part of it, but I'm talking spiritually about discipline and training. Now, you are spirit, soul, and body, and you need to be disciplined and train yourself spirit, soul, and body so you're healthy in all those areas. But today, I'm talking spiritually. Training yourself to run the race and finish. You realize the people that run in track and field, they have run that lap thousands and thousands of times before they ever run for the gold medal. Training. They don't just get up there and wing it. They train and they discipline their body. Now let's look over at Hebrews 12. You get something today. Hebrews 12. So we're talking about train to win today. Train to win. Hebrews 12. And we're going to read here in a second in verse 11. Now I've heard it say, said like this, that there are two pains that everybody experiences in life. Or two options they can choose from. You either can experience the pain of discipline 
or the pain of regret, but that's your choice. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. So a lot of times we feel like we're getting out of something, we're getting out of pain, we're getting out of pressure because we don't discipline ourselves, but we'll end up with the pain of regret for not doing that later on when we need it. And so there's two, there's two pains that everybody will either experience. Either you're going to have the pain of discipline to discipline or train yourself or the pain of regret. Now I'm going to read a verse here in a second in Hebrews 12, but it's interesting uh, the, the verses right after he talks about running your race, he talks about discipline. And he even talks about the discipline of God in your life. I think there's a connection. He's talking about running your race in Hebrews 12, and right after that, he goes straight from that to talking about discipline or training. Notice what he says in Hebrews 12 and verse 11 in the New Living. It says, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Can I get an amen in the house of God? We could say no kale salad is enjoyable while you're trying to lose weight. No treadmill is enjoyable while you're trying to get in shape. No college class that you're taking is enjoyable while you're in it. But notice you're doing it for a reason and for a purpose. Why? Because you see the pain of this discipline is going to pay off down the road. And that can apply to every area of your life, not just spiritually, but physically, emotionally. The pain of this discipline is going to pay off. That's why I can endure it. Because if I don't endure it, the other pain I will have in my life is the pain of regret for not doing it. And that's where most people live. They say, you know, I wish I would have got educated. I wish I would have went to college. I wish I would have lost weight. I wish I would have, I wish I would have, I could have. I, you know, they, they, they talk about that shoulda, woulda, coulda, I, I didn't do it. And their whole life is, I wish I would have done this I, in the pain of regret. Because they never decided to endure the pain of discipline because discipline is for a greater purpose. Training is for a greater purpose because you want to win. Now, you follow me so far. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Now, the Bible's telling you the truth. It's not trying to to cloud over this and act like it's going to be fun all the time. It says no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. That's what it says in New Living. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceable harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So it says, if, if you stick with the discipline and the training of God, even when it's painful, it's going to pay off in the future and there's going to be a harvest from what you sowed when it was painful. Or we could say there's going to be some result of the pain and the discipline you endured because of the, the, that pain and that training that you took on and you decided, I'm doing this, but I'm doing it for a greater purpose. I'm doing it to win. I'm doing it to succeed. I'm doing it because I want to go somewhere. I'm doing it because I want to fulfill what God has called me to do. And so I can endure this pain because it's temporary. It's not forever. I can endure this because I see the end in sight and I see that I can win. So it says no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. 
But afterwards, if we receive it and we lean into it instead of going away from it, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest, a right living for those who are trained in this way. You guys still following me today? Let's look back at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians again. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 9. We're going somewhere today. Can I teach today? So 1 Corinthians 9. So we realize that the pain of discipline from God, but also some of the things that he might ask us to do, it might hurt. I'm not talking about sickness or disease. I'm not talking about tragedy. I'm talking about it might hurt your feelings. It might hurt your emotions. It might make you a little uncomfortable. And he says if you endure the pain of discipline, there's going to be some harvest and some results in the future. But if you don't, the only pain you're going to feel in the future is the pain of regret for not doing that. So 1 Corinthians 9, I realize this is a very uplifting message so far. You're excited about it. So, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, so don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes, or could we say all Christians, need to be disciplined in their training because they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26, notice, so I run with purpose in every step. Now, let's stop right there for a second. So I run with purpose in every step. Somebody who knows what they're doing when they're running, they don't waste their steps. They're not just goofing off, running backwards, running side to side, cracking jokes. If they're trying to win a race, they are focused and they look ahead and their steps are ordered. They're looking forward to the prize. They're looking forward to the, to the finish line and they want to win. And notice, Paul says, I run with purpose in every step. Every day of your life should have purpose because you realize I have a purpose and I'm running a race and I'm running towards the finish line so that I can get to the end of my life and say that I fought the good fight, I kept the faith, I finished my course with joy and I finished what God has called me to do. So every day he says you can have purpose in your steps. Purpose in your steps. You need to run every day and wake up and realize you have a purpose and that changes the way you run. Do you realize why so many people are wasting their life on things that don't matter? It's not because they're evil. It's not because they're bad. It's they don't realize they have a purpose. It's a wonder in schools they tell you you're an accident. All of creation was an accident. The stars were an accident. The trees were an accident. The earth was an accident. And yet you are an accident too after billions and millions and zillions of years. You somehow evolved from a monkey and a caterpillar and an ape and an elephant and a centipede. I don't know. And they tell you you're an accident and then they wonder why you act like it. And the culture and the society are so mad at these generations that are coming up. If you feed into them all their lives that they're an accident and they're not here on purpose. And then when they start acting like that, you can't get mad at them for that. 
But the truth is, you're not an accident. You're here on purpose, for a purpose. God knew you would be here. God planned that you would be here. Even if your parents didn't know you would be here or your grandparents didn't know you would be here, God knew you would be here, and you're here on purpose. Do you know that? Every one of you in here is here on purpose. And you're even in this sanctuary this morning on a Sunday morning on purpose. You're not here on accident. This is a big, stinking planet. You could be anywhere you wanted to be right now on a Sunday morning, but you are here at Church on the Rock on Sunday morning at 1108 for a purpose. Some strange, mysterious purpose. The Lord works in mysterious ways. No, you're here on purpose. God must have wanted you to hear this message. That's why you are here, because you're here on purpose. And Paul says, I run on purpose. I'm not just running to run. I'm running to win on purpose. And then he goes on and says, I'm not just shadow boxing. Now, I went to a boxing match last night. Shout out to my good friend, Jush, who won. Come on, he's right there. Go ahead and, you know, you got to get up for him. I felt that it was my cheering that helped him win. But it, he goes on and says, because they were very aware of this in the, in the uh, New Testament world about boxing. And he says, I'm not just shadow boxing. He's talking about, I'm not just punching at the air. I'm actually landing the punches. I'm actually connecting because if you're just shadow boxing, you're going to wear yourself out really quick. And Paul says, I'm not just, you know, just in the ring, just goofing off. I'm actually hitting and connecting and doing what God has called me to do. Now, that's important. That's one of the main reasons to talk about Muhammad Ali would win. is because he would wear out his opponent by running and jumping around the ring and dancing. If you've seen any of his fights, he he would just trash talk and just go around the ring. And you know what would happen is his opponent would be swinging and swinging and swinging for rounds and rounds and rounds, shadow boxing, wearing himself out, not hitting anybody. And when he was tired, notice Muhammad Ali would just hit him. It would be done. And that's what the Apostle Paul's saying. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just hitting the air. I'm not just punching to punch. I'm actually connecting and I'm winning this fight because I'm doing it on purpose. Now, I'm not talking physically. I'm talking spiritually here. And he goes on and he says, I discipline my body like an athlete training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after I preach to others, I might myself be disqualified. So I'm going to talk about a few things and and teach a little bit here. We're going to talk about, now we're talking spiritually here, how to train and discipline ourselves. How do we train and discipline ourselves? Now spiritually, we're not talking about your soul, your body, spiritually. Well, before we talk about that, I just want to say this. You know, a lot of us think that we can't do certain things, and it's not that we can't do them. It's we just have no training, so we decide we can't do certain things. Now, that can apply to any area of your life. A lot of you today, if I said, could you go out and run a marathon? Just to say it's like 26 miles. Could you run a marathon today? Most of you would say, no, I can't do that. The truth is this. Yes, you can do that. You just haven't trained to be able to do that. 
But everybody in here could run a marathon like that if you wanted to and you trained to do it. Now, the truth is right now you can't do it because you haven't been training. But if all of us in here decided to start training, you can do that. All of you. I'm not encouraging you to do that because everybody's getting quiet. Like, I don't want to do that. Why would I do that? But the truth is that we can all do that because all it takes is some training. We just haven't been training. A, a lot of you in here could bench press 200 pounds. Now, you can't do it right now, but a lot of us could say, well, I, I can never do that. No, you, you can do that, but you just haven't trained to do that. Let me ask you a question. What are some things in your life today that you can do, but you're just not willing to train to be able to do them? And a lot of us say, well, I'm just not good at that. I'm just not gifted at that. I just can't do that. I don't know how to do that. You can train to be able to do that. And a lot of us have sold ourselves short by saying, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not any good at that. I'm not called to do that. But really, it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of you're not willing to train to be able to do that, to be able to win. And that can apply in your body, in your mind, and it can apply spiritually. We could look at things that people are doing spiritually, people that you look up to, great men and women of God, and say, I can never do that. No, it's not that you can never do that. It's called you're not willing to train to become like they are. And that's the truth today. So we need to train. And just ask, her that, ask yourself that today as you go home. What are some things in my life that, I say I can't do, but really I can do if I only decided to train and to discipline myself. I could do that. I believe that God could show you a lot of stuff today if you're really listening. And not just spiritually, but in every area of your life. So I've been kind of on a journey with nutrition and exercise. I'm still working on it. Now, a lot of you know who Pastor Dennis is. He was just here a couple months ago. Pastor Dennis is a very disciplined, to say the least. He trains spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. He's, uh, he's on that next level. And he is an awesome example for all of us to look up to of somebody who has got revelation and really uh, grabbed onto the knowledge of training and discipline not just physically but spirit soul and body and he's an example for all of us so I've been on this journey and he's been helping me and I realized that uh, there's a lot of things that have to take place for you to be healthy and strong and disciplined and in, in, the, in good shape to train and it's not just one or the other it has to be all things working together and the two main things that everybody talks about is nutrition and exercise, nutrition and exercise. Now, I, I'm good at the exercise part, but I eat horrible. Okay, nobody wants to act like they're in that category. I got the exercise part down. I'm, I'm okay with that, but, but my eating habits haven't come in line with the Word of God. <laughs> they haven't come in line with the truth that I know up here, but it, it's not in my heart yet. Um, Taco Bell's still in my heart right now. Um, Wendy's is still in my heart. 
Places like that are still in my heart. It's up here. I have, I have mental knowledge of what I should eat and what I shouldn't eat, but it hasn't went into my heart yet. But the two things they talk about for physical health or training or discipline are your nutrition and your exercise. Everybody say nutrition. nutrition. Exercise. exercise. So we're going to talk about that today. Once again, we're talking spiritually because all your... <gasps> Come on, I didn't come to a health clinic today. I want to talk about the Bible. Now, we're talking spiritually here. Spiritually, are you with me? Let's look over at Matthew 4 and verse 4. Matthew 4 and verse 4. Yeah, come on, everybody say amen. Just, uh, I need a second win for the rest of this message. Somebody help me. So we're talking about nutrition and exercise. So how do we train and discipline ourselves spiritually for what God has called us to do? Well, spiritually speaking, it's going to take spiritual nutrition and spiritual exercise to be fit and disciplined and trained to finish our course. You follow me here? So we're going to talk about the first part, and the first part is nutrition. Now, spiritual nutrition. So Matthew 4 in verse 4, it says in the New Living, But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, we are spirit, soul, and body. We are spirit, soul, and body. And... To be spiritually strong, our spirit needs food just like our body needs food. And in this passage here, he says that just like bread is to your body, the word of God is to your spirit. The word of God is spiritual food for your spirit. It is spiritual nutrition for you to be a strong person in the things of God. Now, this is something that can't be debated about. The food that we eat to be spiritually strong is the word of God. So that's the first thing. If you're taking notes to have spiritual nutrition, the food that we eat spiritually is the word of God. He says, you can't, you don't live by every, or by, uh, Don't live by bread alone, but notice, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just like bread is to your body, or steak is to your body. Yeah, let's step it up a little bit. The word of God is to your spirit. It says in the Old Testament that I found your words and I ate them, and they were the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. And they gave me spiritual strength. There is no way to be a strong, healthy, vibrant believer without the word of God coming into your life daily. Do you have to eat physical food every day? What was that? You have to eat physical food every day, don't you? Why? Because you'll be weak if you don't do it. It's the same way spiritually. If you don't eat spiritual food every day, your spirit will be weak. It will be weak. 
There's no getting around it. It will be weak. And you'll wonder why you don't feel God, and you wonder why you don't feel strong, and you wonder why you're going through so much stuff. is because you haven't spiritually fed your spirit, man, with the word of God. So just like we need natural food, we need spiritual food if we want to be trained and disciplined. And Jesus, in his prayer... To, to uh, show his disciples, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't believe he's just talking about physically. He's talking about spiritually too. Give us this day our daily bread. Just like you need daily food, physical food, you need daily spiritual food from God. And he wants to give it to you. And you need spiritual food daily. Everybody say daily. You need spiritual food daily, and most of us don't get spiritual food daily. Let's just be honest. And we wonder why our spiritual life is the way it is. It's because we're not feeding our spirit the right things. He says, give us this day, our daily bread. Uh, A great man of God said that we feed our body three warm meals a day and our spirit one cold snack a week. And we wonder why we're spiritually feeble and weak. That's the answer right there. We feed our bodies three warm meals a day. Everybody does, maybe even more. And we, we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week, and we wonder why we're not spiritually strong. It's because we're not getting the right nutrition spiritually into our bodies. And if we're, notice, we're, if we're going to train if we're going to discipline, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, athletes have to eat the right food or they're not going to be up for the task that they're uh, going to compete in. Same way with us. We need to eat the right food and the food that we eat as believers, the spiritual food is the word of God. We need it not just once a week, we need it daily. Now, This morning when you came to church, a lot of you think that this can do it the rest of the week. Let me be honest, it can't. In reality, what I'm doing right now on a Sunday morning is I'm taking the spoon. I'm not calling you babies, but I am calling you babies a little bit. Taking the spoon, putting the food in your mouth for you. That's what I'm doing on a Sunday morning. And you're eating. And it tastes good. All right, okay. <laughs> and you're eating the food. You're not spitting it back out, out at me like a baby. You're eating the food. You're digesting the food spiritually. But that food is not going to last you to Tuesday afternoon. There's no food that's going to last you to Tuesday afternoon. It's not going to last you to Thursday or Friday. It's definitely not going to last you to next Sunday. And a lot of us try to live off of what we got here on Sunday morning. Now, that's a starting place. That's like you just had a buffet, but you can't live off a buffet the rest of the week. Maturity really starts happening when all of us stop being babes in God and we start maturing like the New Testament says. And what happens when somebody's not a baby anymore? That means that they can go to the refrigerator themselves and they can get a fork and a spoon out themselves and they can make their own food for themselves and they can eat their own food without their parents having to spoon feed them everything. 
And if you really want to grow and you really want to mature, you're going to have to get beyond Sunday morning and start going home and getting your own fork out and your own knife out and start mixing something up yourself and eating it daily when I'm not there. When your TV preacher's not there. When your podcast is not there. Those can help. But when you really start growing and you really start maturing and you really start eating and being a nutritious spiritual person is when you yourself get beyond this babyhood stage of pastor, come spoon feed me the word, come spoon feed me the word, come spoon feed me the word. Instead, you start making your own food and receiving from God yourself. Am I being too strong on a Sunday morning? Now, that's when you start growing, and that's why it says in the New Testament, you're babies. Doesn't Paul, he calls churches babies. You guys are babies. You're acting like a bunch of brats right now. What is your problem? That's what he says. And I think part of the reason he called them babies is because they were waiting on Paul to give them something new. Come on, Paul, give us something. And he's saying, God can give you something all day long, all week long. Don't wait on me to come feed you all the time. So if we're going to be spiritually strong, we're going to need to have the right food and the right nutrition, and that is the Word of God. Okay. The next thing is we need water. We need hydration. Every good athlete has to stay hydrated. They drink a lot of water. They drink Gatorade. They, they drink these power drinks that have the right minerals and, and nutrition in them to, to be able to hydrate themselves so they can do what they need to do. And if they don't have the right amount of water, uh, they're going to be dehydrated and not be able to perform the way they should perform. Isn't that the truth today? So we need water. Now, what is water spiritually? Well, I would say these two things I would consider water for your spirit. Prayer and worship. We want to stay hydrated spiritually. You want to be in it for the long haul with God and you want to be in this marathon race? Well, you're going to have to stay hydrated. And the way you stay hydrated spiritually is prayer and worship. Jesus said, if you come to me, you will never thirst again. If you come to me, you will never thirst again. He also said that, that I'm going to come and, and the Holy Spirit's going to come like water and out of your inner man or your spirit is going to flow rivers of living water. He also said in the Old Testament that just like the deer pants for water, so my spirit or my soul pants after you because I need something to drink and it's not natural and it's not just for my emotions. I need a spiritual drink. I need spiritual refreshing. And the only place I can get that is in the presence of God. And so the water for your spirit to keep you hydrated is prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. Now, I realize there's different types of prayer, there's different types of worship, but we're just going to talk about prayer and worship in general. You need prayer, you need time with God, you need to talk to God, and you need worship. I think this 100%. I think Dad would concur with this. I've seen a lot of people who are word people. So you're getting your food intake. You're, you're doing good. But they are the most dry, 
crusty, dehydrated people I have ever met in my life. Amen. <laughs> so what's happening there? They're getting their food, but they are starving and thirsty for water. They need some hydration in their life. And without the Holy Spirit, prayer, worship, you're going to just be a word person. And if you just get food and you don't get water, you're not getting everything you need. Come on, can I get amen in the house of God? And we need to stay hydrated. We need to stay hydrated. We need to stay full of prayer and worship. I would say a lot of times, sometimes the more serious, the more disciplined people are into the word, 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 more the free spirits like myself, are into, uh, you know, more prayer and worship. But it's not just one without the other. You need both to be spiritually strong. You need food, but you need water. You need spiritual nutrition. So if we get prayer and worship, we will get the right nutrition. Is it okay if I teach you for a second here? So, we want to be spiritually strong, spiritually hydrated. We need prayer and worship in our lives daily. Just like we need food daily, you need prayer and worship daily. You know, if you struggle with that, get some good CDs, get some good music, put it on in your car, and let them help you. Now, there is no excuse today. We live in a time and in an age in the church world that there is so much good music, I can't even keep up with it. Now, it wasn't always that way in the Christian world, as we know. But we know now that there are so many groups, so many different worship styles, so many different types of Christian music that's refreshing and anointed and will help you get in the presence of God even if you don't know how to. And you need to. Because every time you do, you get prayer and worship. You know, as you come out of those settings, what always is a, a thing that happens when you come out of those settings of prayer and worship? Refreshing. There's always a Refreshing. Now, why is it refreshing? It's the same way as if you were drinking water on a hot day. It brings refreshing to you. Spiritually, prayer and worship bring refreshing. So we need the word, which is our food, but we need prayer and worship, which is the water. That is spiritual nutrition for our spirits. You still here? Okay. It's 1130. We're doing great. Let's talk about spiritual exercise. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? Okay. Spiritual exercise. I love uh, last week we read in Hebrews 12, verse 1 in the message, and it says, no more spiritual fat. Isn't that good? No more spiritual fat weighing us down. Sometimes we need to spiritually exercise to lose some of that spiritual fat we have in our lives. Now, how do we exercise spiritually? It's going to be real simple, real practical. We exercise by being a doer of the word. Or we could say we exercise by putting action to our faith. In the book of James, it says, faith without works 
is dead. Or we could say faith without corresponding actions is dead. Spiritual exercise is being a doer of the word of God. It's putting our faith in action. And the more we put our faith in action, the more it develops. So how do we get spiritual exercise? When we come and we hear a message on Sunday, we don't just leave and say, that was good. God bless Pastor Jordan. He's trying up there, isn't he? (laughs) That was a good message. That inspired me. Spiritual exercise is this. It's hearing the message and saying, how can I apply this to my life right now? Now, that's why most people spiritually, they haven't exercised in years is because they hear, they hear, they hear, but they never do. And that's why he says, don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Because if we want to spiritually be fit, we're going to have to put action to what we hear. We're going to have to put action to the faith that we say that we have. You know, faith is like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. The more we use it, the more it develops. The more we use our faith, the more it develops. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, I've been to the gym, and you you see the guys who look like they were, you know, they're on steroids, of course, but because I'm all natural, and they're on steroids. So you see the guy that's on steroids, and, you know, he's spent a lot of time in the tanning bed, of course. Um, <laughs> and he, he's got veins popping out everywhere, and he's got the little tiny shirt and the little tiny shorts, and um, he looks like he's about to be in a competition. And you see that guy, and you look at him, and, of course, I don't envy that at all. But back in the day, you could think, you look at somebody like that and you're like, they have so many more muscles than I have. They have so much more going on. They, I mean, just their muscles have muscles that have muscles. What in the world? How do people look like this? Of course, they're shooting steroids into their veins and like, you know, cow urine or whatever they shoot in there. It's like, it's bizarre. But you can look at somebody like that, and, and trust me, we've all been there. We look at somebody and we're like, look all the muscles they got compared to me. They got so many more muscles than me. The reality is this. Me and that guy have the same amount of muscles. You know that you and every person you see in a fitness magazine have the same muscles. Same bones, same muscles, same veins. You are a human being. God created you that way. Now, what's the difference? We have the same muscles, but one chose to develop them and one didn't. It's the same way with our faith. If we want to spiritually grow and we want to spiritually be fit, we're going to have to exercise what God has given us. We're going to have to be spiritually fit. And so it's not that we don't have faith. It's that we haven't developed the faith that we have. Now, that's a change of perspective. It's a change of thinking because a lot of us are thinking that, no, somebody else has a lot more than what I have and I can never have. No, they have the same amount that you have. They just developed it. We see great men and women of God 
And we're like, oh my gosh, I wish I had the faith that they have. You have the same faith that they have. They just developed it. It's the only difference. You see successful people and you say, I want what they have. They have so much going on. Notice you have the same opportunities that they have. They just developed it. So faith is a muscle. The more we use it, the more it grows, the more it develops. Because God has given all of us the same faith and the same spiritual life. So if we want to be spiritually fit and healthy, we're going to have to spiritually exercise. How do we do that? We put action to our faith. Action to our faith. We use it. We use it. And not just in a crisis setting, we use it on a daily basis. We use it on a weekly basis. And the more we do that, we get stronger. We get faster. We get more disciplined. We get more trained. So when the times come that we need that extra strength, we're ready. So the time comes that we need a little bit extra muscle. We got it because we've been developing our faith. The time comes when we need to run a little bit faster. We've been training spiritually, so we're ready to run. And we do that by putting our faith in action. I would say out of all of these that I listed, spiritual nutrition and spiritual exercise, exercise is the more neglected one. Because we all have a tendency in here to hear stuff and not actually apply it to our lives. And trick ourselves into thinking that we're doing it. But to exercise spiritually, we have to put our faith to action. Be doers of the word. So let me challenge you to be spiritually fit and to exercise. Personally, have faith projects. Have things that you use your own faith on, personal, to grow your faith. Let's just say, uh, I need a new job. Okay, well, let's put your faith to action in that area and start believing God. Personally, between you and God, nobody else, start working that faith muscle. Say, God, I'm believing for this amount of money to come in because I need it. Start working that faith muscle. God, I want this to happen and that to happen. Start exercising your faith muscle. And the more you use it, the stronger you will get. The better you will get. The faster you will get. The more we use it. But also take every message you hear like today, if we want to exercise and use it. And when you leave the service, say, God, how can I apply this to my life today? Most of us leave the service and say, that was a good message. God, how can I apply this to my life someday? But notice someday never comes because you're just putting it off. That's a good message. I'm going to put that in my life two months from now. No, God, how can I apply this message I heard today to my life? How can I be obedient to it right now today? And the more we do that, the more we're using our spiritual muscles. You getting this today? So we need to be spiritually strong and spiritually fit. Let's look back over at 1 Corinthians, and we're going to close here. I appreciate you guys coming today. 
Hopefully you got something out of this message. Hopefully not condemned about your diet and exercise, but hopefully uplifted and encouraged today. So 1 Corinthians 9, and we're going to read in verse 24. I'm going to read it from the message translation. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, message. Now just listen to this if you don't have the message. It says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes that race. Everyone runs, but one wins. Run to win. All good athletes, notice, train hard. All good athletes train hard. Now I'm talking spiritually here. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. But you're after the one that's gold is eternal. He says, I don't know about you, but I'm going to run hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm, going to, I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out on it myself. Would you guys get something today? So we're going to train to win. We're going to be the, the most spiritually fit church in all of Southern Indiana. Come on. Eating the right spiritual food and getting the right spiritual exercise. Now let's stand up together for a moment if we could. Now we're going to pray for, um, I got this note earlier. 